Hello, Podicumans, and welcome to the Podicesis podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. I'm Brett Maddox. Once again, we're joined by your okay friends who never call, Jim Morrow <laughs> and Alan Kaysen. How are you guys doing? Uh, I, uh, I forgot to pay my cell phone bill. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, lo- I love you, Mom. We're due for our annual call here in a couple of days. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, uh, and we're joined by a really good dude, um, someone who loves the Lord, who's in tune with the Spirit, and who a few years ago, the Lord told him to do something pretty scary and awesome, and uh, he did it. Uh, Matt Reynolds, how you doing, bud? Hey, it's it's great to be with you guys. Yeah, Matt is the uh, founder, president, uh, the liege, the one in charge, grand poobah, the grand yeah. poobah <laughs> of the of Spirit and Truth. You so you know we always mm-hmm. say we're part of the Spirit and Truth podcasting network, and uh, and so we've got Matt here who um, we haven't had on yet because we were afraid that when he came on and he saw what we were talking about that he'd kick us off the platform so um yeah so really really what it was is like we were just we it was fear because to be in the presence of the reverend matthew Josephus oh. reynolds oh uh, oh just, it just filled us with with fear both um you know you know what you're like you're lucky matt um i forgot to do this i was going to do this for I you know. i did it with the guys a couple of days ago was the um the chat GPT artificial intelligence biography, like who is uh, Matt Reynolds? And it'll build it out. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. With photos and everything. So I'll do that for you next time you come on. It may, well, it may talk about so, my uh, baseball career. Did you know I'm a Cincinnati Reds baseball player? No. Oh, praise God. Yeah. yeah. And is I there actually, Matt Reynolds? this is a is true story. I have a true t shirt with my own. With Matt Reynolds on it, it's awesome. Nice, nice, that is fantastic. I mean, the picture doesn't look exactly like me. I mean, it's like a professional sculpted athlete, handsome looking guy, but there's some resemblance, I think. (laughs) I mean, you know, like you just do what you do, right? That's exactly right. Exactly right. So, um, Spirit Truth, we we asked you, you know, we want you on here. We you got a conference coming up in. So this yeah. is on Monday. Uh, this, this goes live. Be, this, the week this week is the Spirit Truth conference. So. Yes. I can't um, believe I I'm going to get to be with you all in person. I'm, I know. I know, right? It, I'm really, I'm um, like, I'm really looking forward I'm to it. So yeah, excited. Me too. Oh, Very right. real way. It has uh-huh. nothing to do. It has nothing to do with the good food over there. Um, it's, it's you guys. <laughs> we, you don't like Bob Evans or what? <laughs> Ohio is not necessarily the mecca for culinary. I know we're actually leaving the mecca to go to. <laughs> That's true. We uh, just so. got our team just got back from uh, Texas, which I don't know how you all feel about. I, everyone thinks it's the, their it's barbecue fun. is the best, but uh, yeah, we had like the trifecta of Texas food. We had an incredible barbecue joint. We had. Uh, a uh, local Tex-Mex place that was killer, and then we had In-N-Out Burger. So like, <laughs> we got all this stuff, man. But That's Matt, awesome. did they have did they have potato salad though? Not like I had at your church, which was <laughs> literally the best potato salad I've ever had in my life. Yeah. That is not an exaggeration. We yeah. were leading. We were literally giving them a plate to walk out the door. They decided they were going to sit down, and Matt just you know just enjoyed himself with his potato salad. It was like so, heaven. See, the, yeah. the, the, Lord, the Lord delights us. Yes. He, does. he does. I didn't even know what a – they call it a covered dish. Yeah. Is that what you all call yeah. it? Yeah. It's a yeah. Covered dish. Uh, up in the north, up here in 
Yankee country. It's called a carrion. A carrion. Yeah. No, everyone... is, no, no, no. You you covered. You bring in your covered dish, preferably with food under the cover, and you carry out. Yes. Oh. Yes. Well, it's a so whole what, different so world. So I have to. I have to question my decision to go to Ohio now. Yeah. No, no, no. But remember <laughs> no. that wing place? That wing place? Yeah. We oh missed? my wing place By the airport. By the airport. That place. <laughs> no, there's some, there is some really good. There's some good local yeah. places. Just yes. Yeah. You know, in general, yeah. you got to talk to the locals to find the good spot. To- well, Tony, so, Tony's is like, if y'all are leaving, go to this place over here, this wing place. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony yeah. knows where he knows food. <laughs> so, Matt, um, we're 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 super excited to have you on. Um, yeah. And as we as we shared before we got on the air, we saved the best for last um, with having you on. Um, but uh, I'm going to so just I, send that little clip, just that ah, line. There you I'm go. That's send it. That to my That's team, it. Actually. There you go. Yeah. Just okay, uh, go make a little short of that and uh, mm-hmm. send it to him. Um, so tell us, tell us how Spirit Truth got started. I, I know you. I've heard your testimony multiple times, yeah. but just um, if you didn't just share um, why why does Spirit and Truth exist? Yeah. Um, what 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 has God done in your life, and and how is this? How did all this get started? That's good. Yeah, I, yeah, I've shared this story in different different places, but I imagine there's a few folks that haven't heard it. And, sure. Um, yeah. You know, it's a. Uh, I try not to get into the weeds too much. Kind of a long story, but really, I mean, spirit and truth emerged out of um, some ways in which God was really stretching and growing me personally. And if you rewind a little bit back in my life, you know, I. I first started feeling God calling me into ministry, pastoral ministry, when I was in sixth grade, and I made a commitment to that when I was in ninth grade, and that was just kind of always the trajectory of my life since pretty young. And so I got into a full-time ministry when I was still finishing college, so I started pretty young, working full-time for the church. And as a young uh, college-age pastor, you know, started off in youth ministry, and then I moved into some other areas doing kind of an associate role and different things. I um, you start off with a real, or at least I did, with a real passion for the lost, a mm-hmm. real uh, longing to see people come to know Jesus because you're younger in your faith and there's just a deep hunger there, you know, for the things of God. And even though you're, in retrospect, I just realized how much of an idiot, idiot I was, you know, like <laughs> you just don't know anything, but there's just such a real passion and a hunger. And, um, and that was good. And God, you know, worked and I got to see some beautiful things. But as time went on, eventually I ended up, um, this is a long story and series of events. I ended up as the lead pastor of a pretty good sized church. And I really shouldn't have been. I was still in my 20s when it when I took over and I had went there to be the associate and some crazy stuff. And I ended up as the senior pastor. And, you know, we had a pretty big staff and a bunch of people and I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I'd never even preached every week, let alone ran a staff and a, you know, a budget of pushing a million dollars and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm just trying to figure out how to survive and try to lead this thing. And what happened is some really beautiful things happened. And I I always say, I don't want to disparage that time because God moved and I saw there's some great testimonies and, and there were some really good things. It was a blessing. But what I sensed is that over time, after being in, I think at that time, by the time that the Lord really started working, I mean, it's probably 13, 14 years in full-time ministry. What I started to realize is that I had kind of drifted 
into the sort of ministry as a profession kind of mode. Mm-hmm. And I just started, there was this conviction that started to rise up inside of me that I, we're doing some nice things, but almost everything we do as a church are things that we can manufacture ourselves. We just plan the next program. We've got plenty of people and money and we just, we do the next thing. And on the surface, it looks great. And, you know, we're, we're doing all this stuff that people say you should do. I just had this growing dissatisfaction in my own life, like just simple things. Like I remember one time just getting confronted, just deep conviction, like, you know, I don't know the last time that I talked about Jesus with someone who didn't go to my church. Mm. And that just didn't, (laughs) I started to realize, I don't think I'm okay with that, you know? And it was in this season of conviction and growing kind of dissatisfaction with just sort of um, the status quo and that I I went to uh, a conference. It was at the New Room Conference, actually. And uh, this was in 2016. And I just had a profound encounter with the Holy Spirit. And God just wrecked my life in in a good way. And um, there was the next day after this encounter with God the night before, there was an international panel of speakers. And there was a woman from Egypt uh, who was a trauma counselor. And she was describing the global church. And she was really describing the way in which some people are still today. Many people are being martyred for their faith. And she she was telling about families that she had worked with that had been torn apart by ISIS and had people abducted and raped and all kinds of just things I couldn't honestly, I couldn't even fathom. And then she mm-hmm. looked across the room and she, this mostly pastors, and maybe at that point, the room wasn't as big as it is now, maybe 800, 900 pastors in the room, mostly pastors. And she said, you know, she was, she was weeping. She said, pastors, I just, I'm just asking that you would actually care about what God is doing around the world. And then she said something, at least this is how I heard it. I don't remember exact phrase, but basically she said, I'm just, would you actually live as though the gospel you say you believe is actually true? And something about that moment, I mean, I just broke. You know, I had had this encounter with God the night before and something snapped inside of me. And I said, I made a vow before the Lord. I said, God, I don't know what it looks like. I have no idea what I'm doing. But when I go home, I will not just play a nice church game anymore. And so much of what we have done in recent decades in the American church feels like a polite exchange of religious goods and services on Sunday morning. And something in me broke that day. And I said, I will... Even if, even if people hate me for it, I will not do that anymore. Even if it means I don't look successful to other people, I won't do that anymore. And I went home, and I won't share the whole long episode, but basically, God, I didn't know what else to do. I scrapped my sermon the next day and just shared my heart and what God had done. And um, and then I just invited our people to pray because I didn't—I was— I didn't have any other answers. I said, I don't know. I just want to see God do things in this church that we can't manufacture ourselves. And the only thing I know how to do is just say, let's just turn to him in prayer. So I invited people to a prayer meeting at 6.30 a.m. that Thursday morning, and nobody ever came to prayer meetings in that church. I thought, well, we'll have two people. It'll be myself and maybe the associate pastor and one other person, you know, like that one lady that always prays. And uh, 
sure, sure enough, 25 people showed up at 6.30 in the morning to pray. And I thought, holy smoke, something is going on here. And that was the start of a whole series of events. God just stirred up some really beautiful things and things started to shift in my life, started to shift in the church's life. Eventually, it led me to a place where through a whole series of events, uh, God called me to leave that position. And um, I was scared. I didn't want to do it. But more than anything in my life, the Lord made it really clear that he was asking me to step away and to really to kind of become an, a missionary to the American church. So I served. I quit my job. I uh, Not because I wanted to, I was, but and not without other people thinking I was nuts. But I quit my job, which meant we had to find a new place to live because I lived in a parsonage. And uh, I raised my own support. I worked for a missionary organization for one year. It's really kind of an equipping time for myself. And it was a step of faith, you know. It was a moment where I was like, it, it kind of, the Lord had to take me back to that moment at the conference saying, like, were you, um, were you serious or not? Because... If I tell you something, uh, you you have a choice in whether you'll be obedient or not. And I just reached a place where I thought, I can't stand up every morning on Sundays and tell people, you know, sometimes God calls you to things that are hard. Sometimes he asks you to do things that you would rather not do on your own. But, it, you know, a disciple is someone who says yes to these things. You know, you, all this good pastor stuff that you say. And I would have just felt like a total fraud because I knew that the God of the universe was was asking something of me. And I was faced with this reality of whether I would say yes or not. My wife was a big part of that discernment. She was not having it for a while. And then uh, there's a fun story that just where I just prayed, God, I do not know what's going on. But if this is from you, you're going to have to tell my wife, you know, we're in this together. And sure enough, several days later, I never said another word about it. She, she had just been praying and came to me and said, I don't know what happened, but the Lord spoke to me and he said, this is what we're supposed to do. So crazy stuff, crazy, crazy stuff. And uh, some supernatural stuff throughout that. And and the long story short, which I made just quite long just now, uh, we, um, yeah, we took a big step of faith. Eventually, after that year of serving with another ministry, I didn't really have this plan going into it. This wasn't like I left the church and thought, I'm going to start Spirit and Truth. But it, God kind of unfolded it over time. I had to take the first step. And I think this is the way the Christian life works. You you take the first step of obedience, and then God shows you the next step. And, you know, often I'm a planner. My undergrad degree is in mechanical engineering. I like things to be orderly and, you know, <laughs> structured. And so I like to have the five-year, 10-year plan. And this has been a whole exercise for the last five or six years. It's been an exercise in saying, God saying, will you be obedient with what's right in front of you? Will you take this step and then trust me after the, you know, for the rest? And so that's what we did. And then about a year after we left the church, God gave us this vision. Um, that's another crazy story, but it just gave me this vision for what would become spirit and truth. And um, I had no idea what we were doing, but I just was trying to be faithful to the Lord and here we are about, I don't know, I guess Spirit and Truth has existed for uh, not quite five years yet or something, maybe four, four and a half years. And the stuff that we've seen God do in that time is just, I honestly don't really know how it all happened. I don't know how I'm on a call with uh, 
with three weirdos from Georgia right now. And yeah, right. On a, right. And, there are, and there are not even banjos playing. There's no banjos. I, um, I think <laughs> it involves a it involves a lady named Maggie, but um, yeah. uh, outside of that, I have no idea as well. Yeah. So, um, well, it's kind of crazy. You know, we started this just it was during the pandemic, um, yeah. right at the beginning parts of the pandemic. We started this because we three were locked up in our homes and didn't really know what else to do. Wanted to talk about Jesus. Talk about yeah. Jesus. It really was for us three. And then we kind of found a little niche and a hunger out there for Wesleyan catechism. Yeah. And uh, and then just happenstance, Firebrand gets launched. Yeah. And Firebrand magazine. And um, then I started, I started seeing the advertisements. And I was like, well, let me look into that. Maybe if we can... So I just started paying for some advertisements on Firebrand, and then that just got us connected to people like Maggie, and we started having like Maggie on, and we had David yeah. on, we had others on, and then finally one day Maggie just sends an email to me and says, "Hey, we're looking at starting a podcast network. I think you you guys would be good for us." And so I mean, it's just out of the blue, just yeah, this yeah. thing. So yeah. it sounds like I mean that's just this is the mo this is the modus operandi of of certain truth right is the it has been yeah it's just there it, yeah there is no grand plan i can just be very transparent <laughs> about that you yeah. know and we are we are seeing god do some beautiful things i mean just just that whole thing we never set out to have a podcast network but god just kind of led us to it and then led us to some incredible people and we love just being in partnership with you guys mm -hmm. you know what you all are doing is is um such a great resource for the church and um, and just the relationships that we've got to form through it, you know, we're just grateful. Mm -hmm. um, we're getting now, you know, one of our kind of our bread and butter kind of thing at Spirit and Truth is going to local churches, and and mm -hmm. we host we we help host these weekends. We usually call them awakening weekends, and it's really just about trying to give people a vision for the Christian life, similar to what I described do, God doing in my own life, a vision for Christianity that goes beyond just this polite exchange of religious goods and services. Yeah. I come in, I do my time. And so we, um, you know, and then we got to go and uh, we got to do one of those at Allen's church, um, mm -hmm. which was a blast. We just had Man. so much fun and God do saw, saw God do some really beautiful things there. And um, so we're getting to do that. I, I don't know how this happened to be honest with you. Like we're getting to do that with churches <laughs> all over the country right now. We just got back last week and we were in Texas a couple weeks before that, we were in Alabama. A few weeks from now, we'll be in uh, Tennessee. Then we're going to be yeah. in North Carolina. We have another one in Lubbock, Texas coming up, uh, one in Oklahoma. I mean, it's just weird to me. I, we don't really <laughs> – we're not that smart. <laughs> we don't even really know what we're doing. <laughs> but what it is is – you know what I really sense is, and I think we saw this coming to bear at the Asbury Revival – there are a lot of spiritually hungry people right now. Mm, yeah. And there's a lot of people in the church who are starting to kind of, I think part of it was escalated through COVID and certainly within our own tribe, within the denominational craziness, but there's a lot of people coming to this. We're kind of coming to the end of ourselves and recognizing this form of church that we kind of propped up for a while, which was really pretty man focused, you know, I don't mean that in a gender sense. I mean like in a human focus, like we're going to build stuff. We're going to put together a nice polished product. That kind of approach is really crumbling all over around us. And people are hungry like, 
well, how do we do it different? How can we, we want the things of God, you know, and, and we certainly don't have all the answers, but we're, we're, we love the opportunity to come alongside churches and say, I don't know, but let's pray together. Let's go after him together, you know, and um, see what he does. So I think that's probably the beauty of the moment is described like you have to come to the point where you say, I can't, and I don't know. Yeah. And you have to be humble enough. Like I'm realizing this myself in this journey of, of ministry and life and all of the various vocations of my own heart is um, it's hard to not have an answer. It's hard to not be in charge. It's hard yeah. to not know. But you know, God really does beautiful things through all of that. Um, yeah. Matt, I was thinking about because I was introduced to the Spirit and Truth Network probably at the launch of Firebrand, because though I have an online presence, I'm pretty much a Luddite. Like, um, I don't, you know, I I get on, I get on social media to like find jokes. I don't post anything. Um, And I found (laughs) one of the first articles come out of Firebrand. I was like, thank God there are Wesleyan theologians and scholars speaking into our popular world. um, Because, you know, Lifeway's out there, uh, John Piper's out there. Right. And then just started to get enamored um, and thankful and connecting with some of the people. And then to realize over time in greater connection that that what Firebrand is a part of a bigger organization that says, hey, this stuff that we're talking about has spirit and flesh and meat. It's mm-hmm. not just a pure intellectual exercise. Mm-hmm. And, and that's always been the cry of my heart. I just didn't know how to articulate it. So you've got this. In spirit and truth, we you have obviously out of the scriptural verse in John four. I, I imagine That's right. yep. um, you've got this focus that some people would say, "Hey, those are two different things," but they're yep. not. Yeah. And I wonder, I wonder if you could kind of talk about what that is. Yeah. Um, kind of how that came about and what that vision is like. Yeah, that's a great question, and um, it's something I'm really passionate about is kind of bringing those worlds together. Um, so. Again, part of this comes out of my own story, and some of it comes out of my good friendship with uh, Dr. David Watson, who you all know, yeah. and who was really the uh, the one that helped get Firebrand going, um, the magazine. And so if you go back to the beginning of Spirit and Truth, part of the vision that God gave me for that was to really, if if we're going to do an equipping ministry for the church, then I wanted it to be... Uh, truly Wesleyan, like rooted in our heritage and our theology. And I wanted it to be um, holistic in that. And by that, I mean, there's been a lot of sort of renewal or even some would call it like revival movements that that hit on one or two key areas of the church, but are are missing things. So one of the things that's been helpful for me to think about how we could be a holistic renewal ministry is a quote that's been real famous from John Wesley in recent years. And it's, I won't say it exactly, but I'll kind of paraphrase. It's the the part where he talks about, I'm not afraid at all that uh, that Methodism should cease to exist either in Europe or in America. I'm only afraid that it should Uh, continue to exist as a dead sect, having the form of religion without the power. And then he says, it will undoubt, that will undoubtedly be the case. We'll become a dead sect if, unless we hold fast to both the doctrine, spirit, and discipline with which we first set out. Now I became early, in the early days of spirit and truth, I became very 
captivated by this quote because I'd heard it several places, but I, I felt like we weren't really talking about what is he really saying enough. And mm-hmm. so I started asking, like, I'm friends with um, Kevin Watson, who's a you know Wesleyan scholar, and Scott Kisker, both of them kind of history, Wesleyan history experts. And I, I was asking them, what, what does he mean by this when he says doctrine, spirit, and discipline? And, and what I really kind of came to is I think these are not new ideas. These are basic Christian ideas. But Wesley was capturing what I think are kind of the holistic lifeblood of, you know, full life in the church. You know, doctrine is what do we believe and teach, which is foundational to the practices that we have, which is foundational mm-hmm. to how we engage with the Spirit. So you got to have that. You know, if there's going to be renewal in the church, it, we have to to learn how to be re-rooted in sort of the historic faith that's been passed down to us. You know, the Spirit, like the Spirit by which we live, which inevitably has to do with how do we learn to cooperate with the Holy Spirit? How do we like live in such a way uh, that our lives are surrendered to the Spirit of God, which is the, the one who gives life to the church? And then the third piece is the discipline piece, which is really about uh, practical ways that our, our lives are ordered. And in the early days of Methodism, um, I think he would have been referencing both sort of the the logistics of how the movement was ordered, which have to do with real accountability. And it would also have been a reference to um, class and band meetings, like structured deci- intentional discipleship, and as well as participating in the means of grace and um, core practices that propelled the movement, like field preaching, for example. So you've got the practical nuts and bolts. How do we do discipleship? How do we, you know, live life with God? How do we uh, share our faith? How do we cooperate with the Holy Spirit? And how is all of this grounded in the historic teaching of the of the church? And you have renewal movements throughout history who have majored on one or two of those things. But if you don't, for example, you can be all about the spirit and you can be all about the practical stuff. But if you're not rooted theologically, you can get off, you can get off into la la land real quick. And I've, and I've seen that I've actually, you know, I've been kind of tangentially connected with some things that were, that felt like that to me, like, man, this is awesome. Except we're getting off the rails because we we don't have a theological mm-hmm. anchor, you know, but you also can be, you know, all about the, the teaching. And, but if you don't have the spirit, you know, it can become just a bunch of dead head knowledge and you can become real legalistic. Maybe you have the, you have the doctrine and the discipline, no spirit, right? Well, there's, that's dead also. And so I think this is kind of a great framework for renewal in the church, these three pieces. What do we believe and teach? What is the spirit by which we live? How do we order our lives to live into that reality, you know? And so my goal for Spirit and Truth is that we would be truly Wesleyan in that we we incorporated all three of those things. Because I think Wesleyan's the best of us in our heritage is the combination of those. It's it's head and heart. It's like it's you know theology and then lived out you know practically you know. It's, mm-hmm. So that's how it all started. And one of our projects that we talked about early on was creating an avenue to um, to bring together some high level Wesleyan scholars and 
and other pastors and things to write and reflect on how our Wesleyan theology comes to bear upon the church, upon practical living, et cetera. And uh, David, really David's um, passion and an idea is what gave rise to uh, Firebrand Magazine. But it was always intentionally wed with this renewal movement because we wanted both of those pieces to be a part of a of one whole. You know, I was uh, I've heard you kind of give this testimony too, and I think it was the first episode of when um, Plain Truth went over to Firebrand Firebrand podcast. Yeah, um, and one of the things that I thought of in listening to that was it is interesting, like in the Protestant Reformation, so fifteen hundreds, you had this Reformation in the Church taking place in Europe. Out of that also comes a theological reform, a kind of a, a, a academic and heart reformation. You know, Luther had the Lutheran; he had his own catechism that he would he would teach. And so, um, it, it does seem like when renewal comes, that there is going to be that that marriage of head and heart yeah. together. So, and I think the simple. what we're what we're seeing in the church, I think, as we see renewal coming and i think it is coming uh it come it's hard right it's a uh, renewal doesn't come without heartache we you see decline in the north american church but actually what you're seeing is like in some ways you're seeing the real church kind of emerge um yeah from yeah. sort of it's being sort of uh the consumeristic sort of fluff is being cons- kind of siphoned off and the real kind of core of the church, the real, like, we're going to pursue real discipleship kind of stuff is starting to emerge. Mm-hmm. But that renewal that's happening is is actually, I think it's deeply theological. Like, mm-hmm. people are hungry for depth. They want to, like, they want to understand the faith, not just, you know, show up and feel good on a Sunday morning. So I, I've, at least I'm seeing it in my own local church. When we're having classes about the deep things, about leading people to some of these places like they're hungry for that stuff they'll yeah you know we we're doing a new class on life in the spirit and that uh just started last night really unpacking both theology and practice around the holy spirit and gosh it was packed you know what i mean uh mm-hmm. people are hungry to learn and then to put it into practice in their life so i think this is the renewal that you're going to see in the church it's going to be deeply theological it's going to be spirit filled because people are realizing I just don't have an, I, I don't have enough just in my own humanness to to pursue the life that I really want to live. And then um, I think it's it's also very practical. People are getting back to the basics. How can yeah. I actually make disciples? How can I actually share my faith, not just farm it out to a church program? How can I practically do these things myself? Mm-hmm. Mm. I love what. I loved what you said about um, I, I want to see God do things that um, I can't manufacture, yeah. and I, I resonate with that in the sense that I think, and I think all three of us do that. You know, we've all three been doing this for a little bit of time as well, and um, yeah, you get into that professional vocational mindset, and you forget. You know, I was thinking about this when I was saved when I was 17, the pa- the, the 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 heartfelt passion I had. Yeah. Uh, to grow, to learn, to just kind of yeah. I, I want that again, you know. I want that that yeah. just unabashed joy for 
all things of the Lord again. Yeah, and if that can see, that's the thing. It's like, and it, it doesn't come exactly the way it was. It can actually become even richer because it comes yeah. with the seasoning of maturity that comes yeah, 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 across yeah. Right. your yeah. life. But yeah. if you can discover that kind of passion and you know renewed joy, and it comes in a vessel that's been seasoned and matured, I mean yeah. that's a powerful combo. Yeah, yeah I told my it's church like last night. With I, the- Oh man, my joke is ruined now. Go okay, well, I told my yeah, good. Uh, I, anytime I can ruin your joke, it's great. Yeah, I told my church last night. I've been doing this for twenty years, and I think I'm just starting to figure this thing out. Or yeah. you know, having um, yeah, uh, not that I've figured it out, but that I yeah, uh, um, that I'm starting to figure out what really matters. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I think um, I think this whole idea of manufacturing. I think what I've learned is. In in part from you guys, uh, from Matt and Spirit and Truth and so forth is not not from uh, you and me, Brad. No, not from you guys. Um, <laughs> Mostly is from that Tony. I can shepherd. I can shepherd in terms of creating space and yeah. giving opportunities. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then then God then let God do the rest. You know yeah. that it is not up to me and. Um, but I can, as the shepherd and as the pastor, create multiple opportunities and multiple spaces for people to encounter the living God. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, so I just, um, and I, lo- I love, uh, Matt, when you guys, um, I love that when you come, it's like, um, we're not, we're not bringing anything. Um, we just brought ourselves. This is nothing new. Um, and it really is nothing new. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it is what is necessary and it is, it is, um, you know, um, it's not flashy, um, but you come with the spirit and you come with, but uh, it's right. It's yeah, right. but it's right. I was right? thinking about, I was thinking about this the other day because we have done in our church, we've done a lot of like, moving ministry away from the staff and putting it back mm. with laity. And we've done a lot of equipping of laity, which has been hard for all of us because one of the things that when you work at a church, either on a staff or, or in ministry is like you, if you create something and people come to it, there is a sense of satisfaction and completeness that you don't get. If there's an instant payoff that mm. went well, people came good feedback. And there's also the sense of I have to be doing something. Yeah. So it's really uncomfortable to do. But what we realized is we started doing that. I mean, we were doing um, you know, the Lectio course from 24-7 Prayer we started last mm-hmm. night. And, and we just build in a lot of space for people to pray around Scripture, like not speaking to them a lot. We've been doing a lot of different things like that and resisting the urge to program it. And what, what we're finding is the same stuff that has always worked still works. But it's almost like, if I, when I need, when I have a headache, a long time ago, I could take half an aspirin, but now I need like two aspirin or three aspirin to get rid of the headache because my tolerance is built up. So I need something else to break through it. I need more adrenaline to break mm. through. Well, it's kind of like we've gotten hyped up on our own drug in the church where we just need to cut some of that stuff, yeah. just cut it and say, let's do the things that we know work and then keep at it until it works again. Yeah. Like pray. Yeah. Let's pray. Yeah, let's, like pray. let's be together like in the scripture. Let's trust that it actually works and don't feel like we have to gussy it up with something. Absolutely. It's really a hard shift because it doesn't give me the same instant 
payoff. That's right. Or scratch my dysfunctional itch, which is, I hope people liked what I just did. That's right. You know, but when you see God, the living God, doing work either in the moment or over time, it really is transformative. And and, and I've loved that. And it's part of y'all drew me in with your academics. <laughs> yeah. And then you gave me a chaser of remind <laughs> just the reminder. Yeah. The reminder that God is beautifully alive. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Hey, we got a conference coming up. Um, yeah. And and I just I want to give you a chance to talk about it. I would love to we're gonna go. We're gonna see you guys and hope for all you listening. We'll bring back some stories and maybe maybe a little bit of testimony from people. But you know, I just wanted you to tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, just in the way you've all have described our ministry, when we come um into churches, we are very simplistic. I mean, we just we don't even bring a lot of items with us, you know. We like mm-hmm. yeah. uh we just well that's kind of the flavor uh for the, the conference, to be honest with you. And I know um you all have experienced it, but it's it was so refreshing to me. It was so refreshing to not go in and, and have to download, you know, like be downloaded into. Yeah. Or feel like I am I have to sit at the feet of experts, but to be, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's well, no, what you're describing is what our, our goal is what to do. What Alan said a little bit ago is just to create space um, for people to meet with God. That's really, Mm -hmm. that is our main goal. Now we have speakers and, you know, things like that, but our schedule, even for the conference is less filled than most any conference I've ever gone to because I just, we just feel very convicted that people, the issue in the church is not an issue of information. You know, we've got more curriculum, more books, more YouTube channels and access to information than we have ever had in the history of the church. And people feel in many cases, more dead than they felt, you know, mm-hmm. ever before. And so it, what we want to facilitate is really an just an openness to let God do whatever he wants to do in the hearts and lives of people. And if that means we need to sit in silence for a while, we'll do it. Uh, we we usually begin every conference with just a stretch, you know, of 30 or 45 minutes of prayer because um, we just feel like, if we don't seek him in prayer first, you know, what <laughs> we need something, we need him to do work in us as Christians and as leaders that, you know, only God can do. So we, we might as well start by asking him first. And, yeah. uh, yeah, and so we be, his kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. And so we try to set, we try to lay our agenda for the conference kind of open we we come in with a plan. I'm not against planning. I think, you know, I'm not against someone who's like, oh, just make room for the spirit. You don't have to plan anything. I don't, I don't, I think you can fall in a ditch on that side too. But we try to just, we make a plan as we discern from, from the Lord kind of what direction we want to go. But then we try to just leave it open. And like, if we need to adjust, I mean, last year at the end of the conference, yeah, the Holy Spirit moved, you know? <laughs> and uh, this was one of those, like, personal teaching moments as well as, like, from a ministry, like, are we going to be serious about our DNA? Like, I was supposed to to teach the closing session of the, of the conference, and I had 
just for the record, I had prepared what I thought was a killer message. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Oh, man, this is a good one. Like, this is good. This is a barn burner. It's going to be good, yeah. you know? And um, and then we got to it, and the Holy Spirit really moved in some very tangible ways with the session yeah. before that. Yeah. And it just became, I had an argument in my own head, and I, like, with the Lord, like, oh, we're not really, like, I knew we can't move into another session. Like this is, we have to just stay where we are. Like this is, yeah. we just need to let God do what he's doing with his, with his people. We're not going to have the closing session. But then the fleshly side of me is like, yeah, but that was a real good talk that you prepared, Matt, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. And I had to just die to that in the moment. You know, if you could have seen inside my head, there was a little war going on there. And I just mm -hmm. said, God, this is your conference. And if you're doing supernatural things inside of people, if you're healing hearts, if you're bringing people to repentance, if you're doing holy work in people, who in the world am I to disrupt that or to stand in the way of that or to somehow justify that I need to to do that? And so I just went to our team and said, "Look, I'm I'm not speaking. There's no way. That's not that's not what's right here." And um, and so we just let it be what it was. And the conference ended completely different than what we had yeah. planned, but. I think it was the right way to do it if, because oh, yeah. it's what the Lord was doing. And so, you know, that's all we do. We just, we make a plan. We invite people. Another conviction that we have about the conference is we do not, we're not interested in inviting the biggest names uh, to the conference. We just try to invite people that share our similar hunger for the church and um, who share kind of a similar heart. And so a lot of the people that we put on the platform are not, conference, you know, they're not running the conference circuit as speakers, um, but they're people that we feel like have important things to speak into the hearts and life of the people that are there. And so that's why, you know, my good friend, uh, Rob Ulmer, who you guys uh, know, Maggie's uh, husband, he's one of the best preachers that I've ever met, but he's never been the, you know, mega church pastor and he doesn't have any big book deals. And so nobody ever hears him. And I I made him the opening speaker for the conference last year because I thought if you guys were with him on a daily basis, you would see this is a real Christian. Oh, yeah. This is a man who loves Jesus. He knows the word better than any pastor I've ever met. And he's someone that I actually, I want to learn for every time he preaches at our church. Um, like I want to learn from him, you know? And I just... I guess I'm just kind of burnt out on the whole Christian celebrity thing. And so, yeah. you know, we just try to have people that are people, maybe this is a dumb filter, but I'm like, I want to just have people that I really, I know are the real deal and I want to learn from. And I don't care if they're popular or not, you know? And so, um, so that's been our approach, you know, just create space, invite people that share the same hunger for the church and the same kind of DNA and then we'll just see what God does. You know, taking and uh, saying we're not going to, you know, we're, we're going to rethink how we do conference if we ever do a conference again. Yeah, we're in that space right now. That's right. That is, yeah, that is protective of the DNA, right? Like that keeps you from, yeah. Yeah. you know, ten years from now going, how did we become this? Yeah. That was never us. That's right. And the conference for us was never. Like, look, the world has plenty of Christian conferences. Like, yeah. <laughs> we, we we felt like from the beginning, this is not, 
we don't need just another conference for a conference sake. Really, the only reason we have it is that God has connected us relationally with a bunch of people. And it's just like like what you guys, you guys are coming. And it feels, I think, Alan, you described it um, once time recently it's kind of like a little yeah. family reunion yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. yeah for us that's exactly. what it is you know it's yeah. people that share you know we share a heart cry we share kind yeah. of the same longing for the church and we will we want to come together and stoke that fire in one another and make room for the for god to do work in us right. and whether it looks like a a polished, nice conference to the outside world i really could care less <laughs> yeah this well, is this is this is how god works Absolutely. Yeah. A year ago, I, yeah, a year ahead. ago, yeah. three three guys from Georgia uh, come to Dayton, Ohio. We didn't know a soul. We didn't even really know you guys. Like, yeah. really. I mean, honestly, um, we... Had, I didn't know who they were. They actually picked me up off the side of the road. We did. <laughs> <laughs> so we really... And so we just showed up because, hey, we're affiliated with you guys. And you guys yeah. said, come on up, come out. And we, we, we didn't... We we knew it might be a little bit more charismatic than we were used yeah. to. Um, but that was about it. Yep. And the Lord just, um, the Lord moved in each of our lives at that conference. But then Amen. more than that, it's like over this last year, the rela- the relationships have, have developed and grown to like, you guys are, I mean, you guys have my heart, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't even know if friends or whatever. I don't even know if that's right, even a deep enough word, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's it is like a family reunion. I mean, that's but that's what God does. It's like He yeah. creates these, He connects us, and He and He grows us. And and it's like, I am freaking so excited to go to a family reunion. And <laughs> yeah. and, 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 now, and now this episode is rated TV fourteen. Thank yes, you. thank you. So, so and, um, and this is this is what I love about it too. Um, so Matt, what you're talking about, really equipping the church and moving, uh, you know, awakening weekends and all the things you do. It's like what I love about this idea is you don't have to come to a conference to have this great feeling of family. This is what God does among people. That's right. right. And so to be able to in the DNA of of everything that you do, to be able to say, look, we're pushing this back out because it can happen in every community in the right. world. That's right. To be able to say, there's not a deep enough word for me to describe how we are related to each other. Right. Well, and that's, that's the right. heart because of that's the what God does. That was the heart of the leaders at Asbury with the revival, with putting it to an end, and you know now we're going to take it out. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, so three things from last, a quick, quick kind of testimonies from last last year. This is his David Letterman moment. This is his top three. Top to three. Nice. Uh, one was, you know, we hadn't met Tony or any of the people in person. We just had him on the show. Um. When we show up, I mean, Tony. I, I thought he'd be taller, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but Tony really just kind of embraced us like we were, yeah. you know, old college buddies, you know, like, hey, man, it yeah. has been a while. So it's, and that's kind of been that relationship with him. And so that really He's felt amazing. like family. Absolutely. There was a moment where um, I look over and I see Alan. Alan had a, a spectacular encounter with the Holy Spirit and was on the ground. And I, I said, what? Oh, I, just and, let that I, I, well, hold on. Well, hold on. The, I looked at Jim, and Jim said, yeah, he tripped over the chair on his way to the altar. Like, he was making a joke. <laughs> anyway, so I laughed. But so so Jim and Alan are um, two of my best friends, my brothers. Um, and I just remember looking at Alan over there and just thinking, yeah, he's about—a different Alan's going to stand up. Mm-hmm. And, and I will just say, just seeing that change even in the year has been incredible. 
uh, testimony to that. And then I had a moment where um, all I've been dealing with anxiety and just all kinds of issues in my life, fear, just ultimately just fear. And um, I went over to David and to Tony for prayer one day mm. and um, one of the nights and David just, he just says, look at me, mm. just look at me. And I mean, and then I just lose it. Like I, mm. I start bawling like a baby and he embraces me like he was my dad, Wow, you know, and wow. that was incredible. There was nothing in that moment that he was trying to manufacture, that Tony was trying to manufacture. Yeah. It was just like he, it's like the like our Heavenly Father told David, Brett needs a dad right now. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was awesome. And so, anyway, yeah, that, that's it. I mean, it's so real. It's raw. It's real. It's awesome. It's, um, yeah. And when you have that kind of encounter, I think it, it changes you because you, you just, you, can't, you come away with, like, the God of the universe sees me. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, he, and he knows what I need mm -hmm. and he just met me you know mm -hmm. through these prayers through this ex experience whatever um, and that changes you you know and I've known that from my own experience like you know I often say in some of the training we do you know one minute of one minute of cooperating uh, with uh, the work of the Holy Spirit uh, can do more than hours and hours of yeah, just absolutely. our own striving, you know, mm -hmm. and or own technique and polish. You know, usually I'm talking about it in with respect to evangelism, but it's so true because when you just try to get out of the way and let the Spirit speak and do what He can do, He can touch us in ways that, you know, David doesn't know what you need, right? I mean, he's not, he doesn't know you and he doesn't know what you're going through at that moment, you know. And I don't, you know, and Alan, when you came forward for prayer that time, uh, I mean, I could see the spirit working on you. You know what I mean? I, like, I could see it coming. <laughs> and in well, retrospect, I, it was funny because, you know, uh, you know, you're a bigger guy. Like, you're a pretty tall guy. You're smaller now than you were then. But I, yeah, right. But I was, I'm a, I was, I was at my heaviest. Back you know, then. and I'm a, and I'm, a, I'm a big guy, and so. It was funny because Rob and I were <laughs> laughing right. about it because, um, yeah, my friend Rob was with me on that prayer station and he ended up, you know, being like I started praying and he went around behind you because we could see God just working on you. And I, I hope you're okay with us talking it's about fine. this. It's fine. Uh, but it's just, um, <laughs> we laughed later, like, why didn't we switch roles there? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, you left Rob with all the weight, <laughs> but uh, but you know, I don't know. You know, I I don't know what all God did in you or spoke to you or what that experience was like for you. But I know that He did stuff in you that I couldn't do for you. You know, like right. And that's what the Spirit does. You know, because He created you. He knows what you need. And when we are able to be in a place where we can just surrender to His work in our lives. Just powerful, powerful I things think, can happen. I think yeah. what I think what you guys do, I think what you do, I think what the the conference does, and 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 you you guys have shared that this may be the last conference because um, um, you guys are feeling led to just focus on a different direction. Um, and 
um, but whether it's the conference or you guys coming in or, or you know, where's Firebrand, I think it's the idea for me, it's helping people move from God being just this idea. Yeah. To God being real, being met, be, God meeting them, meeting yeah. us, having an encounter with a living God. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what most of our folks need in the church is moving from God just being this idea to God is real. Um, yeah. and he, he is active and working. And I think, yeah. you know, I think it's kind of like this Asbury revival and that's right. This, this, you know, this revelation, oh my gosh, God is actually doing and moving and stirring and, you know, and, but he's always doing that. Right. So, um, yeah. And that's I, it's so beautiful to see that. Uh, my heart, I actually never, a bunch of my friends, Maggie, who's on our team, made it down. Her and Rob went down to the Asbury Revival. Uh, a bunch of folks that I know, some yeah. of them, you know, friends that work there. I never made it down. But my heart was just moved with what God has, was doing there. And because, and it has nothing to do with us at all. I'm just saying, for, for me, it was a great sense of confirmation of what we've been sensing God trying to do in the church. Yeah. Because it's just the stripping away of all the extra stuff, which is kind of our core message at Spirit and Truth. Like, you actually, you don't need all the extra stuff when you actually have the presence of God, you know? Mm -hmm. And I love how that all transpired in a small kind of nowhere town. I mean, I went to Asbury Seminary myself. There's nothing. Oh, there's nothing in Wilmore. You know what I mean? Like it's the size of this computer screen. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> tiny, and it happened in a in an auditorium without any. There's no even lyrics being projected on screens, in uncomfortable wooden seats, with no polished leadership, students that are not professional musicians, no big speakers, like none of that stuff, and people. Tens and tens of thousands of people mm -hmm. yes. flocked to that place mm -hmm. because people are hungry for something beyond all that stuff we've tried to offer them in the church. They're hungry for the actual presence of the living God. Mm -hmm. And what's so encouraging to me, I said this in the church uh, that we were at last uh, weekend in Texas, small church, middle of nowhere, you know, they're about, well, I shouldn't say that. They're like 30 or 40 minutes south of Waco. So you can get to Waco in a little bit, but they're very rural. But it's a beautiful little group of people that's just trying to seek the Lord. And what I try to yeah. encourage them with is like, look, the same exact God who met people and brought 50,000 people to Wilmore, Kentucky over the last couple of weeks is the same God who can meet with you right here. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you can't tell me you don't have what it takes because actually your sanctuary is nicer than the one that they just met in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and so this is what I think what God is doing. Like he's, he's stirring up that hunger in people for the real thing. And it doesn't look polished. It's sometimes it gets messy. And, um, but that's what our hearts desire is that spirit and truth for people. I love what you said, Alan, to not just think of God. It's not, God is not just a concept. He's not mm. just an idea. God is personal. He wants to draw near to you. That's the very purpose of creation to begin with. And um, the church should be the place where we can lead people into that reality. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Well, um, I don't, <laughs> I don't know where I, else to I, go I, with this except uh, to say that's about it, man. We we we're done. Um, yeah, <laughs> we we need to have you back at some point, Matt, and. Um, just kind of update us on how the Lord is moving 
Um, I'm hoping to get you guys at my church sometime this fall or early spring of next year or late winter or something like that. Um, sometime. Yes, yeah, sometime. <laughs> sometime. You covered all the, so, all the, yeah, uh, just, all the yeah. seasons there. Between now and, that. yeah. So, and you mentioned, um, one thing you mentioned, Alan, just to say real quick, you said something about the shifting conference model, and it, it, I don't know whether this will even end up on the podcast, but um, we are thinking about shifting that because we're doing so many of these in-person things at local churches. But one of the things we're considering adding is areas where we've gone to a few different churches, maybe just having some like worship and prayer gatherings are very simple. And um, man, with all three of you down there in Georgia, I wonder, maybe, maybe we plan something yeah, sometime absolutely. where we have on. a yeah. South yeah, Georgia, absolutely. you know, worship yeah. and prayer event of Fantastic. some time. So yeah. yeah, that's awesome. No, that's awesome. absolutely. Man, I'm um, glad, I'm so glad to have spent some time with you. Um, one time when we're when our, in our regular mode, we're going through the Faith Ones Delivered out of the um, the John Wesley Institute. Oh, it's yeah. the document yeah. that come through. We're just going through that bit by bit, and uh, we'd love to have you on to do that too. But I'm looking forward to uh, spending some time with all of these dear folks this upcoming week, but also just continuing to be in the be in this movement together. Yeah. Uh, it's not new. But no. just a recovery of recovery of these beautiful things, and to know that hey, look, we all, we may have all felt it, but we have camaraderie in it, and there are other people, yeah, other people who who believe and feel like this, and, and we can we can bring them all together. Amen. Matt, you're you're such a fun dude. Um, <laughs> I really love you. Grateful for you. Yeah. And uh, Brett, I'll turn it over to you because uh, I was about to close it out, but you might have something else. No, that that's it, y'all. Check out SpiritandTruth.life. Um, and you'll hear on the outro, um, on the outro, and you'll see if you go to Spirit and Truth Thought Life, everything, all the resources, how to connect, yep. how to get an awakening weekend, how to do all of that stuff. Um, I mean, I mean, I imagine this comes out on Monday. The conference starts on Friday. So if you're wanting to make last minute plans, hop, get a plane sure. ticket, and then come on up to Ohio. Um, it starts on Thursday, yeah. but who cares? Well, it starts um, on Thursday. Yeah. Um, and also, you on, on Spirit and Truth Thought Life. I'm gonna do this for Matt. Um, they're a nonprofit. They rely yeah. on donations oh, and yes. to support their ministry. Yeah. Uh, you can go on and decide to give, and um, they would love for you to be a monthly supporter because they like to know when those gifts are coming in. So, yeah, anyways, yeah, um, yeah. we all we all it's all necessary for a budget. So, um, it, it, there's no better ministry out there to support than the Spirit, Spirit and Truth. And Truth um, the, I will. Uh, I will. I will make one one more little plug. If if you search. Uh, the website thoroughly on a Tuesday. It'll pop up a link to Tony's 24-hour office webcam, and you can just sit and, and do the Truman Show thing with Tony Miltenberger. Um, it's delightful. He does he does arm curls with his. He's got a five pound a five pound dumbbell set over there. Um, it's fantastic. He's got. Oh, listen. This is this is my favorite part. Um, he can't get it out of the frame because this jar is so big. It's the hair gel. Um, he's got the hair gel. And sometimes he'll curl that while he's putting it in. So yes. if you look for that, I think you can find it. I found it one day the other day. So. Good. I don't believe any of this is true, but this would be That's amazing. So perfect. It should be true. It should oh, be true. It should, it it should be true. It should be I true. love you guys so much. <laughs> love you too, brother. And love what y'all are doing. Thank you for join, joining us. And uh, potty humans, until next time, y'all God bless, and we'll talk to you later. Bye.